Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Faith Worship Center's weekly sermon. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by this week's message as we all live to bring more of heaven to earth. Hi, you guys. I was just thinking this morning of uh, worship and how, how we love to worship and how... Uh, how the lady poured ointment on the feet of Jesus and all the religious stuffy Pharisee types thought she was wasting wasting valuable resources and time and they said, why this waste? And when we decided to uh, become a worship center, we heard those words and knew that people would think that worship, the expression of worship can be a waste. It can look like a waste. It can be offensive to some. It can be misunderstood by others. But those who know our Lord, Jesus Christ, those who love to be at his feet, it's never a waste. Never a waste of time, never a waste of resources. Always good. <clears throat> Um, I, the other day I was sitting at the table, we had our family around, and um, our little Lucy, she's our youngest in the group of eight grandchildren. She's sitting in there, her little high seat and has her tray in front of her, and she's got her food on the tray, and I sat down, she sits right next to me in the corner. I sat down, and she had a carrot that she was working on. And she just took it out of her mouth. She got snot running down her nose and everything. You know, she takes it out of her mouth and she holds it out to me. And, and the, the big test, the big test is going on in my head right now. Okay. If I reject this wonderful gift from my granddaughter, what is that going to do to her? So I accepted it, took it out of her hand, did a little wipe like this and popped it in my mouth. And she smiled. And I, I really feel that's, that's kind of how the Father looks at us in our worship. We might give him a carrot that we're working on. And he takes it and smiles. I don't know why I just shared that, except that I... Probably some of you won't want me breathing on you after this point, but uh, I, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful to the Lord. I love this season. You know, this is the kind of season you can go into any store and you're hearing carols sung about Jesus and about Christmas. I, I love that. It, to me, it, it doesn't matter how commercialized everything has gotten. There's always going to be that element of Christmas where there's adoration and there's lifting up the name of Jesus and there's worship that's going in all the speakers all around the store. So good. So good. I want to talk a little bit about Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. Now, I'm not going to cover every chapter of Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. Obviously, it's an extensive uh, work and it's a very valuable work. It basically um, clarifies... Um, the the one mandate that Jesus had when he came to this earth. And uh, in John 2, 
in John chapter 2, verse 23, it said, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of the Son of Man, for he knew what was in man. This is a very uh, interesting passage. And if, you, if you're not careful, if you interpret this, you could interpret it to mean Jesus didn't care about people. He didn't care about men. You know, he's, just, he's on his own. I don't care what you think about me, whatever. Get used to me. I'm here. And he wasn't like that. But what he, what he knew is that he knew back in the very beginning when God made man in his image, that man had corrupted the intent of humanity in God's heart. That sin had come into humanity and had corrupted that which God had made. And Jesus knew that when he shows up on the earth. And so he's not entrusting himself as long as that sickness, so to speak, as long as that death is sitting within man. Because he came to deal with that death. The first Adam became a living being, but sin corrupted God's intention for his creation. And Jesus knew that death corrupted the life that Adam was born for. And that as long as sin reigned in mankind, it would tarnish the image of God in them. And I believe that's the reason that John said Jesus did not need man to testify to who he was. Because man's testimony of who he was was going to be tainted. Until that could be dealt with. In First Peter chapter 2, 9 to 11 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. How many of you know that Peter's writing this? He's considering the church. He's considering the ecclesia. He's considering the people of God, the believers, the faithful in the Lord. You are a chosen generation. He's telling us believers, we are chosen as a generation. We are chosen people. We are not here on this earth by accident. In this time that we're living in right now, we didn't evolve from a mushroom or whatever and crawl out of a pond. We are a chosen people. We have purpose. We have a destiny. I was thinking about in the beginning when God made man and then man chose to sin, how, how much that sin corrupted that destiny, and that, that image of God within us. And yet it did not completely spoil us, did it? There were those that came... Those that came after that sin, there was Seth, the line of Seth. There was Enoch, who walked with God and was no more. You go figure that one out. This guy's walking with God. He's in fellowship with God. And then didn't die. Not that he was no more, like vanished, but vanished and lived forever. Uh, Abraham, Abraham, who... Uh, believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. David, so many others that came after, righteous men and women of God who served, even though sin was infesting the human race. But Jesus came, and he came to establish and reestablish the intent that God had in his heart when he created humanity. And so he's walking on the earth and he knows his mission. He knows his mandate. He knows that he's going to the cross. He knows that he's going to die. And he knows that he's going to be buried. And he knows that he's going to resurrect again. 
He, he predicts his resurrection to his closest followers. He tells them they're going to kill me. I'm going to be buried and I'm going to rise again on the third day. Peter's an eyewitness of all this, and he's writing this. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have attained mercy. Romans chapter 6. And I'm going to start in verse 7. Um, five, 5 is basically, chapter 4 is laying the difference between faith and law. Chapter 5 is basically showing that uh, sin came in to corrupt everything. It needed to be dealt with. And chapter 6 is showing how it was dealt with. For he who has died has been freed from sin. I'm in verse 7 of Romans chapter 6. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Now, this is a very important thing. I, I've over the years, I've had over the years, I've had conversations with believers, and, and it goes like this: Will there ever be a time that I'm completely free from sin? Will there ever be a time where, where temptation doesn't bother me anymore, where my mind's not being driven off by uh, indecent thoughts? Verse twelve says this. Romans 6.12, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. Which tells me a, a very important thing. Sin does not have to reign in these vessels. <laughs> it tells me something very important here, that he's, he's laying this whole concept, Paul's laying this whole concept, that Jesus died, and he doesn't have to die anymore. Right? He's laying this whole concept out and he's saying that the death took care of it. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. This is the power of what we carry inside of us. This is the power of faith. It's the power of believing. That we actually get to triumph over something that controls humanity. From the time of after Adam's fall... To the time when Jesus Christ died on the cross. Sin was in control. Death was in control. The man was helpless and powerless with it. The most that he could do is bring offerings and sacrifices and and just basically be uh, forgiven for a time until he had to come about and do it all over again. And Jesus once and for all, once and for all died. And now he lives. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And do not present your members as instruments of righteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness to God. 
For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. You ever had that little, I don't know, just for lack of a better word, little demon on your shoulder whispering in your ear, you're a sinner, you blew it again, you messed up. You know, you just need to tell that thing to go to hell. Just tell it to go to hell. You're not under that law. You're, you're under grace. And because you're under grace, you don't have to let sin reign in your mortal body. Because you're under grace, you have the power over and to overcome sin. I don't know about you, but that's good news. This was great news to me when I was younger in the ministry and I was, I, I, the things that I wanted to do, the good things I wanted to do, I found myself doing some bad things and I, I had that little demon on my shoulder and he's pulled at my ear, lock, 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 lock. He, I don't know, the thing probably had a beak. Rock, 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 rock. Now my conscience knew what he was saying. I, my, I, I was aware of what uh, was being pointed out to me. And I felt trapped. I felt like, oh, I gotta, I gotta repent again. I gotta ask God to forgive me again. I gotta go to the altar. I gotta confess. I gotta, blah, I gotta, 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 gotta. And one day, it's like the light and revelation of Jesus Christ opened up my heart and my mind, and I realized I'm no longer under the God of law. I'm under the law of grace. I've been saved. By grace. Saved by grace. I knew it. I read it for years. I knew it and I read it. But when I caught that image, no, this this falsehood that is being fed to my soul, that I'm a failure, that I've blown it again, that I'm not perfect, this falsehood is overlooking one really big major point. Behold the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the whole earth. And that's the grace of God. And it no longer has dominion, have to have dominion over you. What this is really saying is that being free from sin is not a wish. It's not a hope. Oh, I hope someday I can triumph. During my uh, younger years, I used to think if, if, I just got, if I just got rid of this one thing, if this one thing that just is bothering me, if I just got rid of that, imagine what I could do for the Lord. And you know what that did? That put it all on me. But Jesus took it all on himself. He took it all on himself. <laughs> Uh, verse 11 it says, reckon yourself to be dead to sin. That word reckon is logistomai. I probably messed that up in the Greek. But it is a calculation based upon a logical conclusion. Count yourself dead to sin. Reckon yourself dead to sin. It's a calculation based upon the logical conclusion that Jesus Christ died, that we died with him, that when he died, he killed sin in sinful man. He destroyed its power. He took its power completely away. So that those who believe on him no longer have to consider themselves alive to sin, but now they can consider themselves alive to Christ. 
Man, that's good news. Romans chapter 6, just so powerful. It's so powerful. Verse 12, reign, it means king, to rule with power, have the highest influence. And he's saying, do not let sin reign. Do not let it have the highest influence in your life. Do not let it have that influence on you to think that you're a failure, to think that you can't minister the way God intended you to minister, to think that when you lay your hands on the sick, the sick don't recover. It just never happens, you know. It just doesn't take place. To think that, you know, more spiritual people are able to see into the, the realm of the Spirit and have angelic encounters. They're the more spiritual ones. They're really not. They're just the ones that kind of woke up to what Jesus Christ has already given us. And it's simple. We all get to wake up to that. It's not a matter of who's greater than whoever. It's a matter of what you get to wake up to. Oh, yeah. I love it. Verse chapter 6 talks about it. No longer had dominion over Chapter 7, okay? So in chapter 7, and we're not going to go through chapter 7. We're not, I'm just going to uh, summarize chapter 7 in a nutshell, if I can. In a nutshell, chapter 7. Because it's the one that a lot of believers like to point to. Oh, that's me, all right. Oh, yeah, I'm that guy that I want to do the right thing, but I find this law at work in me that no matter how hard and how much I want to do the right thing, I keep end up doing the wrong thing. I don't want to do the wrong thing. No matter how much I don't want to do the wrong thing, I end up doing the right thing. And we call that modern-day Christianity. And Paul called it a man who is under the law. And he's looking at this thing, and he's, he's, looking at cha- he's writing chapter 7. As he's writing chapter 7, he's, he's putting himself in there. He said, man, I know what that's like to not... To, to not want to do wrong and end up finding I doing the wrong. And I know what it's like to want to do good and end up doing the wrong. I know what that's like. I know what it's all about. And then at the very end of that chapter, this is what he writes. Now who can deliver me from this wretched man that I am? Thanks be to God, who through Jesus Christ, my Lord, has set me free from the law of sin and death. Wow. This is like a... You know there's a reason why Paul said to renew your minds? There's a reason why, because most of us had a little... We've had a little demon talking in our ear for a long, long time. And our conscience confirms what he's saying. You know what I'm saying is true. I kind of do, yeah. All right. But I also know what you're wanting to easily overlook. And that is the power of Jesus Christ and His grace is more powerful than your stinking lies. And it, comes, it spreads out in all aspects, okay? It spreads, it spreads into every aspect of living as a believer. We carry the hope of glory inside of us. If you think sin is more powerful and that sin is putting the hope of glory in prison, <laughs> if you think you're imprisoned by sin, 
then you're just locking up the hope of glory. And I would think if you believe those things, you believe those lies, I would think there's going to be some limitations in your life. You're not going to line up with what you expect. But when you believe the truth that Jesus Christ died once, he died once and for all to take care of this issue. When he died, you died with him. When he was buried, we went in the tomb. And when he rose, we rose with him. And resurrected and seated at the right hand of God. I don't think this is, I don't think this is really a mystery to Jesus. Um, the fact that humans don't have to be trapped in sin. Is, as a matter of fact, I was looking at some of the scriptures that he told people. He told two people specifically. A woman who is forgiven, who they wanted to stone and kill. She was caught in adultery. He tells her, go and sin no more. Now, was he just talking metaphorically there? Was he just like giving her some kind of a false hope? Just go and sin no more. I know you're going to mess up. I know you're going to sin, but just go and sin no more. He, I don't believe he was saying that. I believe that he, as the Lord Jesus Christ, the word of God, was giving her a promise that she didn't have to sin anymore. The second one is, is the man who was healed. Sat sitting by the pool and he got healed, picked up his bed and walked. Came and found Jesus and Jesus told him, go and sin no more. I, I think, you know, I think there's something so powerful in this because the penalty has been paid. The price has been paid. You don't have to react in sin. You don't have to live in sin. You don't have to uh, keep doing penance for sin. He paid the price for it. We're not bound to it anymore. We don't have to let it rule in our bodies. How many of you have ever gotten anger at, angry at somebody? Anybody in here? Mostly with the people that are really close to you, right? Husband, wife, kids, whatever. Did that, does that make you an angry person? Does it make you, does it stain you? Maybe in that reaction, do you have to do all sorts of penance before you finally feel good about yourself again? The grace of God allows you to point to what Jesus Christ has done for your life and allows you to say, He has my destiny in His hands. We've been set free. We've been set free by someone who wants us to be free. Who wants us to walk in freedom. We get to walk in that same freedom. This is not a wish list. It's not a someday I'll be strong enough to be able to resist. It's a matter of saying he is in me and he is my strength. And then invest in your faith in him. I I think that 
I think there's an incredible mix-up today in humanity because the truth has come. The risen one has come. The Savior of the world has come. The Holy Spirit has come. And there's a system in this world that will not receive them. Insist on walking on its own. I I don't know how many of you have uh, seen this in the news lately that they're making a uh, missile right now. NASA is making a missile right now that is going to deflect any asteroid that comes too close to Earth. Have Have you seen that? I, I, I feel there's so much stupidity in that. Is, do, you really, do you really think that the God who created this world is going to let a big, huge asteroid destroy it? Psalms 104 is very clear. He's the one that created the earth. He's the one that established the earth. He's the one that keeps it and preserves it. He's the one that causes things to continue to uh, grow. He's the one that, that protects us all. But see, if you don't believe in him at all, if, you're, if your scientific mind will not even let you have faith that he exists, you, doggone it, you're going to create a missile to try to deflect asteroids. You're just going to do that because you're down here like, oh, we're like doomed. It's astounding to me. Uh, the book of Romans is just absolutely amazing. I love it. Romans chapter 1 chapter ones and 2, both of them are just saying that man has to really just purposely blind himself from seeing what God has put and established, what he has created. Because it's, it, it's all around us. Even in, even in like this thought, of what they, they say the universe is 4.5 billion years old. Amazing how mathematicians even came to that, how physicists even came to that number. I, I have no clue. But do you, do you realize that the sun is shrinking? This, the sun is shrinking. They, they, they know that it's, it's shrinking. It's not by much. It's a very small fraction. But if you put 450 billion years into that equation... The sun would have been so large that the earth would have fried. I mean, the, the, the mind without God is going to always think in terms of fear and survival to the best of their ability. But the mind with God is going to know he's in charge, he's in control, and I'm going to hold his hand and trust him. Now, a lot of people, because of what we've been going through in the last 18 months, 19 months, a lot of people probably hope an asteroid will hit the earth and just finish us all off, you know, because these masks and everything else are driving us nuts. (laughs) Listen, we, we need to do what we can to protect ourselves. I've got that. But there's someone who's who's a lot smarter than us. And he sits in the heavens and he laughs at his enemies. And the beautiful thing about grace and the beautiful thing about the arrival of Jesus 
is that he's walking among humanity and he's not saying, you dirty, lousy people. You don't even deserve my presence to be near you right now. He's walking among these people who are lost, confused, dazed. I'd say we got some of those around today. We do. There's just people that are just confused about basic things. We, we, knew, we knew the difference between a boy and a girl back when I was a kid. I knew the difference. I, I did. I, just, I, I knew what that difference was. I had three sisters. I had to know it really young. And we just got a lot of people confused about this kind of stuff because without a belief of God, you're going you're gonna to create your own reality. And when you create your own reality, it's, man, it's just not a pretty picture. But thanks be to God, who can deliver this generation? Who can deliver this world from confusion and from the hysteria and from the fear? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And we carry him inside of us. That's why I love, I love the truth. That when this reality first hit me, that I carry something. I, I carry a kingdom of God within me. I was working for a glass company. This is when it first hit, okay? I was working for a glass company. And I, I had, uh, really poured myself into reading this, the word. And it hit me that the kingdom of God is within me. Jesus said it. The kingdom of God is within us. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is within us. And I got this reality. The kingdom of God is, of course, if the kingdom of God is in me, someone's going to notice, right? And I remember I was drive, driving to a, a job site in the van, and it was a strip mall, not a stripper's mall. A, a strip mall. You know what those are, right? I don't have to explain that. And I, I pull up to this uh, strip mall to go find the manager. And as, as soon as I stepped out of the van, I had this, this awareness, I, I, told, I had this thought that hit me. I'm carrying the kingdom of God with me into this strip mall right now. I'm going to walk through Macy's, whatever, whatever was in there. I can't remember stores that were in there. I'm going to walk through that, that hallway, find that manager. I'm carrying the kingdom of God with me. The kingdom of God is coming with me. When I walk down these hallways, the kingdom of God is going to affect people. So I step, I open the door, and I start walking through there. And I've got this different approach to my job now, okay? Because a reality is now in my mind. I have a different approach to where I'm going. I have a different approach. There's something mentally and there's something spiritually different in me because of this reality, because I caught it. And I open up the door and I start walking through. And as I start walking down the hallway, they had these tables outside the stores with all their stuff they're trying to clear out, you know, clearance racks. They got these tables out and there are people all along these racks and I'm, I'm walking in the middle between uh, tables on one side and tables on the other side and people that are shopping on the tables looking through stuff. And as I'm, this is no exaggeration, as I'm walking by, they stop looking at what they're looking at and turn and look at me. And that's when I really became aware. This is not just hopeful thinking. It's not just a wish. We carry the hope of glory. We carry the kingdom of God in us. And everywhere our feet go, the kingdom comes with us. And people notice. They notice. When I first came to New England, I thought New England was a cold, hard place. It was cold, no doubt about it. I remember when that reality hit me, it was a January, and I was standing out in the parking lot of the church, and the wind was blowing all across the parking lot, and I had this long 
long, thick, monstrous coat. I probably had two coats on because I came right from California. And that wind hit me, and it, I swear it blew right through that coat. And I'm standing there in this parking lot going, man, this place is cold. This is cold. It must have been like 10 below or something with the wind. I don't know. And I, I used to have this thing in my mind, you know, and I used to hear Christians say it. Oh, New England is such a cold, hard place. You know, the people are just so spiritually hard. <clears throat> I had spiritual leaders tell me, <clears throat> don't ever expect to start a church that emphasizes praise and worship. You will never succeed if you emphasize praise and worship. You've got to have the word of God preached. <clears throat> and so that kind of confirmed that New England is a hard and cold place and that Christians were hard and cold. You know, they used, I, I used to hear it talked about up in Maine, you know. Uh, up in Maine, they eat pastors for lunch. <laughs> really rough place to go. I knew a few ministers up there in Maine. And, oh, you don't want to come to Maine and minister. It's hard here. It's really hard. I'd hear pastors in Massachusetts. It's so hard. The ground is so hard here. So difficult. It's not. But something in here has to be rewired so that you no longer hang on to those opinions. I look around, I see people sitting in here. I see people that when we first started preaching healing, they would lay their hands on the sick and the sick would do the opposite of recover. And yet they kept at it. Kept at it, kept at it, kept at it, kept at it. Now one of them is leading our healing rooms, Marge. She just does an amazing job. <clears throat> I was shocked to hear nobody's going to be healed on January 1st. That was shocking to me. But I, I, it's okay. I know what that meant. People get saved. We've had people walk in to this church, and they just they, their lives get completely redirected. Drug addicts. Strung out on drugs. They get set free through prayer. No longer drug addicts. Because of Jesus Christ and because of who he is. And because there's a people in this house who believe that there are greater things that we can do. And that we have yet to do. And we will keep pursuing his kingdom. Until we get him done. That's good news. And we stand up. We're no longer slaves to sin. We have been set free. We um, uh, recently ate our family, our, our family gathering. We decided, my wife and I decided before the kids ever got there that we were going to sing the doxology together. Funny conversation. My kids remembered it. We, we sang it years ago as a family. And as soon as I said it, my oldest said, are you joking? <laughs> we haven't sang that in years. So yeah, we're going to sing it. Very simple song written by a radical minister in the 1700s 
who believe Jesus Christ can set people free from sin. I think we could just close with that song today. You got How many of you don't know it? All right, you can just listen to everybody else who sings it. <laughs> Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Now we're going to sing it one more time. But this time, we're actually going to prophesy to people who are living in fear, people who are confused, people who don't believe, people who are so analytical and uh, logistical in their mind that they don't have any room for God in there at all. And we're going to prophesy that into the airwaves. You realize that once we speak something, it goes out into the airwaves and it never stops going. Let's prophesy. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father. Son and Holy Ghost. Father, thank you. We just, we just really do prophesy right now to this generation and to this, the world system, Lord, that just, they just have their own set of beliefs and you're not in them. We prophesy to that system and we say, wake up. We say, wake up. To the truth of who Jesus is. And we call for revival to come and bring change. It only takes you a second to encounter a human. And their life is changed forever. We speak that in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about our church. Visit faithworship.org.